Welcome to the Winners and Losers podcast for the 2020 World Athletics Half Marathon Championships. Uh, my name is Michael Doyle, and I'm joined, as always, by John LaFranco. John, how you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I, uh, I'm i right. looking forward to talking about who won and who lost in these world championships, the only world championships uh, that we're going to get this year, of course. Uh, and also, it's going to be hopefully the last time I talk about this event because we... We've done a live podcast. We've done a instant reaction podcast. And now I think we're wringing this content dry with the winners and losers. But there's a lot of action, a lot of interesting things happened, a lot of subplots. So uh, definitely worthwhile mm-hmm. tackling this. And I think we've got some good ones here. Yeah. All right. Uh, so here's the format. Um, John and I each trade back and forth three winners, three individuals, uh, organizations, entities that we felt were big winners out of this event, and then three losers a peach a piece. Uh, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were losers as people. They just lost something in this event. So yeah, let's uh, let's get the boring stuff out of the way, John. Let's talk about the winners first. Uh, <laughs> sure. Your first winner is drumroll. Uh, the winner. The winner. Uh, Perez, Perez Jip Churcher. Yeah. Is that the right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's nice. So she's Jep Churcher because there's Chip Churchers on Jep, a common, Jep Churcher. She's Jep yeah. Churcher. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I mean, I don't know, at the risk of repeating, you know, stuff that you and Alex said, I thought that that she uh, she ran a great race, you know, just tactically and everything. But uh, the, for me, you guys were going on about the moment, the, the F1 moment at the end, which I agree is was like, kind of cool and like although i think that was maybe a little bit like the uh the the young ethiopian i think just kind of messed up like more than anything but but the the move that won it really though was in the second fall if you look at the overhead shot of it jip churcher hurdles the two women who fell in front of her just smooth like right over top of them and doesn't break stride like a like like a total uh steeplechaser move yeah yeah. And she just went right over. And, and while I was watching it, I saw that and I was like, Oh wow. Because there was the other, uh, I don't remember who it was, but there was another one in there, an Ethiopian woman who I think she was the one who battled back for fourth, but she kind of like got kind of moved to the side and she didn't fall or anything, but then she just kind of like lost focus, you know? Um, but she, uh, Jip Churcher did not, she just went right over um, the, her sort of fallen teammate and and the other one who fell and then just, you know, and they just carried on. And then, and then I think just, you know, I think, and obviously she dominated that the last one. I thought that she's a winner, but at the same time, the, uh, the way that it was done was, uh, was cool. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'll just get this right out of the way right away is that I also have Perez, uh, Jep Churcher as my first winner. Uh, it seems like the obvious pick cause she won the race. She set she she beat her own women's only world record in the half marathon in a championship race, which is super cool. Uh, she'd set the the women's only mark uh, earlier this fall, late summer, and I think it was early September at a at an event, a closed event that Adidas put on to showcase their new fast Nike Vapor Fly esque shoe. Uh, so that obviously performed <laughs> the, the Adidas, well. the Adidas Nike, the Adidas Vapor Fly copy. Um, <laughs> I believe it's called the uh, Adi Zero to continue on their their long legacy of really good racing flats. Anyway, um, so Perez obviously totally crushed this race. Super determined. Wasn't an easy event by any stretch. Conditions were not. Uh, it was cool, so it was good for running fast, but also apparently a little blustery and windy. And uh, obviously, there was a couple of major falls, which kind of rattles your lead pack, um, as you were referring to before, including that big one where she had to like literally jump over. I believe it was um, Yashine, the 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 overall uh, women's world record holder in the half, who was the one who unfortunately yeah. went down and took her out of the race pretty much entirely. Uh, she did finish, but she was not a contender after that point. So that was a, a cool moment to watch. I mean, not cool for everybody else, but pretty impressive to watch uh, Jep Chirchir hurdle everybody. And then 
as you referred to before the that really sneaky smart tactical move she made with a few hundred meters left to and if you've not if anyone listening has not watched the race uh, and are listening to this podcast for whatever reason a you know god bless you for listening uh and b um well, not watch, everybody's watch, gonna have watched it. Yeah, well, watch, well, watch it because, like, it. I think the women's race was super thrilling and uh, like a really compelling event from the onset. The sort of the setup of it was great. It had quite a few of the top contenders in the world, and the race itself was really entertaining. And then the the finish was awesome. So, uh, and Jeff Cheercher put on a show. She made like a really smart tactical move, which I thought made the race even more exciting to watch in the end. And even put two seconds on the second place finisher. So in like 200 meters. So she wanted it bad, uh, which is cool. So she's somebody who I made a little note here that she's somebody who's competed really well in the half marathon over the last few years, kind of a half marathon specialist has run one official one sort of like legit marathon in 223 in December in a, in a Japanese marathon in December, uh, but hasn't really shown up for any of the big, the big shows. I mean, obviously, we haven't had any marathons this this year, and maybe that was a plan for her that that has been scuttled by by COVID. But love to see her in, you know, um, in a major and a Chicago, a fast race, a Berlin uh, to show off her speed or or the or her tactical smarts in a New York or a Boston as well. So exciting twenty twenty one. Hopefully, uh, in store for us from this young athlete. She's in her prime, twenty seven years old. So. So let's move on to, so we both got our first one out of the way. That's an obvious one. What's your second big winner on the day? So I picked racing. And I think last time we talked after London, I said racing as well. Um, <laughs> so like racing is like an idea, a construct. Yeah. Well, because you know what this made me think was like, isn't it interesting that that the last two big events, the only two, I guess, but the last two big events have been really exciting and interesting from kind of a tactical racing point of view and, and like nobody, there was no pacing. They were fast. Anyway, London wasn't fast, but this was, they were fast. The half marathons were fast without, you know, having to have lights or whatever. Right. <laughs> Talk right. about that maybe. Um, but you know, it was just like people kind of gunning for it. And I think, um, you know, the falls make a difference, but also like the turns, like, you, think, you know, running is pretty simple and straightforward and it really like 90 plus 99% kind of, comes down to your, you know, your fitness. And then, you know, maybe a little bit of leg speed at the end, like tactics are not really like a massive part of, of longer distance running in terms of like micro tactics, like what we saw here with the, with the falling and the finishing, like, yes, you have to decide on kind of a a macro tactic of like, are you going out hard or are you, are you going to be patient? But, you know, there's kind of like two or three options there. There's not a lot of moves of back and forth in racing. And I think that what we saw here was that there was, and I, I wonder, you know, if it's because of the, the courses, like the, the sort of the, the loop courses, which kind of gives it a little bit more of that kind of F1 sort of feel and like a familiarity sort of thing. So you're kind of like more in the race, in the moment, rather than point to point, like you're thinking, okay, going to get to here, going to get to here. Um, you know, you're just kind of in that race. Um, and, and, you know, in a competitive field, like, I think, uh, what was it like? Well, I forget, you know, what the, the kind of tally was on the women's side, but I remember hearing you guys say it was like 10 men under an hour, which is like very rare for, for a championship like this. So yeah. and I, I just and think, I think it was for something is Four, I think four of, sorry to cut you off there, but I think four of the last half, uh, half marathon world record holders were in the race on the women's side. So, you know, pretty stacked front end on the women's side. Yeah. So that's it. So I, I just think that it's, and I think it's a good thing. And I think that it shows that, you know, I don't know if this trickles down, you know, to kind of nationals and track and things like that, but I, I think that we are, so focused on time as, as, you know, practitioners and participants of the, of the sport and the, the whole like race thing gets always, you know, gets lost as secondary. Cause like you kind of can't afford that because you're really focused. You have to hit your time. And, and I think it's more fun if you just get out and race. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a balance, but yeah. I agree with you that like this was a, another 
great uh, showcase of how racing can be exciting and just racing on its own. You strip away all of the other aspects of uh, the the event. I mean, obviously we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but this event, at least in conception was supposed to be a very different experience and it ended up being for public mm-hmm. health reasons and just the situation we're all in globally right, right now. Uh, but I think it, the, the, for the, on the upside, as I like pure, uh, running as a sport fan, I think that this, uh, world championships was quite exciting and like definitely worth watching. And that's what you're always looking for with these like long, it's like a long distance event. It's like, it can be kind of a hard sell. And, uh, even sometimes to, to people like you and I, who are kind of dyed in the wool fans is there's nothing worse than a really boring, uh, distance event. And it does happen from yeah. time to time. Uh, particularly when you're dealing with a world championship where everyone's kind of typically checking each other until the end, nobody wants to make a mistake. It's kind of like it's the same as watching um, world cup of soccer, right? Or football. If you're not living in North America, um, all of my uh, diehard football fan, uh, fan friends will say like, the world cup in many respects is like the worst version of the sport because everyone's playing not to lose all the time. And everything is so tight and on the line that you get a lot of these sort of nil nil draws or you get one, nothing wins and everything goes to PKs and whatever. Uh, whereas if you watch like, um, uh, premiership or La Liga or uh, even like, uh, um, even the Euro cup, uh, it's a little bit more wide open and it's way more exciting. And it's like almost like a different game. And what was cool with mm-hmm. the world half was that uh, it felt like it was more wide open and everyone was kind of going for it a little bit more, even though there was so there was a lot at stake. And even though it was a championship race, which has all these sort of like broader implications for career and other national teams and, and so on and so forth. So it was, I think you're right. I think racing definitely won. So yeah. I'll jump into my second winner, which I guess kind of is a nice segue actually from racing to, I think that the organization world athletics ultimately kind of won in all of this. So the, the organization formerly known as the IAAF now world athletics, uh, got to put on this event. So I think ultimately that's a win for them. Uh, it seemed to me like they were like kind of forcing it a little bit. They're like, this event is going to happen. And Hmm. I think leading up to this, even like a month ago, they probably thought that they'd made the right choice by going with Poland a couple of years ago when they picked this country to the city to host it. Uh, And because Poland actually had kind of like gone through most of the pandemic fairly unscathed up until like two weeks ago. So I think world athletics yeah. won in that they got to have this world championships and, you know, all these big international organizations, sport organizations are, you know, they're desperate to kind of clear this, clean the slate off each year, right? They need to get these events to happen so that they can declare winners. They can uh, have their meetings with their national sport organizations. They can, it, it, there's a lot that goes into these events and putting them off, just creates more of a log jam, right? Especially when they're not annual. So, you know, 2020, yeah. 2021 is going to be kind of a messy year, I think, overall for world athletics and for the, you know, the IOC and so on and so forth. We don't know what's going to happen with all that. So I think ultimately world athletics wins by having this event happen and having some attention drawn towards the sport uh, and towards distance running and, and more specifically. Although I would say, thinking about it, John, like the more I think about this event, the less I think it should have even have happened. And I do wonder if ultimately this comebacks to haunt comes back to haunt them in some way, or just if there are other people like me that kind of have a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling about the fact that they forced this thing through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's, I think that's one of my losers. So we can talk about that after. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, ta- uh, we'll we'll jump into that after. Okay, so who's your? Uh, so you've got you you said Perez Jepcher yeah. was your first racing as an idea as yeah. overall as your second. So what's your? You said oh yeah, yeah. this is the mystery box. Mystery box. 
It's you. You actually guessed it before. It's Michael Doyle. Michael Doyle is the third winner, and I'll tell you yes. why. Um, I get no. Uh, so if I mean the listeners uh, probably know because this maybe they're there already, but you have a new website, right? Dst.org. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think that like we've talked a lot about running media in 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 our conversations and and on these these uh, podcasts, and you guys have kind of a good thing going. Uh, you and Alex, uh, you know, kind of like doing like a watch party for these, these things. Um, and, you know, we, we did allude to like, okay, maybe like the, 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 we've, you have talked a lot about this event in the last few days, but um, like where, what is the running media? Like, well, you know, I think the running media makes these things exciting. And it's almost that like the, we're in a, a perfect situation for it because the focus is on these sort of the, few events that do happen. Um, and there, you know, there it's kind of, it's news, it's all news. Like there's no normal right now. So it's, there's an opportunity, um, you know, to, to talk about them and to sort of, you know, for, to create buzz and, and media around it. So I think that, you know, I was kind of being a little bit teasing to, to say that Michael Doyle is the winner, but I, I think that, that maybe, I don't know if you don't want to take credit, they can be running media or even your website. Uh, you could say yeah, that, I, but I, I think that it's, it's key. Like it's, it's an important, it's important work and it's good that it's happening and that we could talk about what's going on. Yeah. I, I mean, thanks, John. Uh, <laughs> a, a little bit embarrassing. We'll just, let's say, uh, yeah, let's say running media is a winner in general, because I, <laughs> and I do agree with you um, in that when, when the pandemic hit, and after the first, let's say, month or two of uncertainty, of like absolute, the world is upside down uncertainty that we all felt, and things started to kind of smooth out and shake out, and you could start to see things, you could start to see people planning, and there was anticipation for at least some version of events to, to happen. I did think to myself, like, this is going to be a really interesting opportunity to get excited about some form of elite running, particularly when... Uh, team sports cleared out for a while. I mean, ultimately, obviously, all these team mm -hmm. sports did come back and figure out a way to make it happen. Uh, but mm -hmm. initially, at least, it, it did seem like, a, you know, uh, distance running events, uh, some track and field, were going to get their moment in the sun. So, and I do think that, uh, hopefully, that this uh, challenge to running media, whatever running media is, whatever little running media there is globally, Hopefully this this year, the challenges that pr were presented uh, that that they were presented with uh, forced a little bit of creativity. I know it certainly has with me. Hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. it's forced creativity on behalf of the events, um, and I think that you know the, that's what's maybe given some more fodder to the running media. Like we're not just talking about here's another race, but there's all these other things going on. You know, like the lights and the and the shoes and the course, you know, the, the course changes and, and things like that. So it's I, I think that the yeah, innovation is a theme as well of that that is a positive coming out of this whole scenario. So could be better, but could still be good. always could be better, but I think that that's yeah, it's going in the right direction. I agree. Um my last big winner is Another kind of obvious one that sticks out from the event, which is the country of Uganda. Um, so yeah. uh, for those who are, you know, not following super closely the the kind of national rivalries beyond the obvious one, which is Kenya versus Ethiopia, which has happened sort of over and over again for the last number of years. Uh, mm -hmm. Uganda, which is a, a country in East Africa neighboring Kenya and uh, sharing some... Uh, uh, sharing some sort of like like geographic and altitude similarities in certain in certain part, parts uh, has emerged as a really good uh, running country in the last number of years, and they've now got with this World Championships on the men's side, with their big winner uh, being uh, J Jacob Kipilimo, a 19 year old from Uganda, along with his teammate. Uh, uh, um, Joshua Cheptegei, who had really one of the great years of all, great seasons of all time on the track this this year, they've got two stars, and it's 
It's really exciting mm-hmm. for that country. It's really exciting going into the Olympics next year. They're a one-two punch. You don't know like how, I don't know how involved the Ugandan national program is in the programming of these guys, uh, you know, t- both training strategy for what the events they're going to race, that sort of thing. But clearly Kiplimo is very talented at the half marathon. He ran 58 something for 5849, I believe was his time for uh, a world championship win, which is crazy fast. So you, you got to wonder like this guy's going to drift to the roads because that's where the money is. Eventually you're going to see it. It's going to happen. It's just so much more money in road racing than there is on, than on the track. But going into the Olympics next year, are you going to see Kip Limo and Cheptegei doing the 5,000, 10,000 meter double? Where will like team tactics come in and all that? There's It's kind of like, it's a really exciting thing. And clearly they feel a, a great deal of national pride. Uh, there's like some, there's some really cool little clips pulled that were all over Twitter on Saturday afternoon of the Ugandan team celebrating as a group and like a lot of like, a yeah. uh, lot of, uh, you know, um, team camaraderie there clearly. So they're, uh, to, to me, Uganda is a big winner in all of this coming out of this weekend too. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see. And especially I think the age of the athletes, like they're, they're young, young guys and like, you know, kind of, it's almost like the, not to always go back to Kipchoge, but like his kind of, you know, his sort of Zen attitude or whatever, it's kind of like, um, you know, like, chapter guy it's not that's not it but it's like more like just kind of carefree like you know he's just like let's just do this like it seems just like fun like they're having fun out there yeah he's like he's having a good time yeah totally cool and and like an element so kipchoge has been so dominant both in terms of performance until london this year uh but also in terms of like his presence his outsized presence as like uh the ambassador for distance running uh, particularly outside of the sport for people who are maybe a little bit more um, uh, less, less invested, the runners, but they're less invested in following the sport as a sport. So uh, it's cool to get these other players involved uh, that have different personality types uh, to give uh, running a little bit more of a varied vibe. Uh, so let's, okay, John, let's dig into uh the losers element of all this. You, what is you, what or who is your first loser from uh, from this half mar- marathon world championships? Okay, well, I, and I'm going to be like a narc and say safety. I, I just I agree <laughs> with narc. what you were saying before. <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying before. Like it just seems like a really bad idea. Um, and, and you know, I I guess I don't know. There's lots of different opinions out there on the virus and what's safe and what's not safe and things like this. But I think that um, you know, like you gotta think big picture. Right. And, um, I, I, you know, I think the Canadian team and the other countries, uh, us and, uh, Australia, among other in Japan made the right call to not go. Cause like, why, what do you need to be flying around the world right now? Right. Um, especially like on the one hand, it's the, like, you don't really know, like, yes, everyone's tested and yes, I understand that part and, and it can be done, but, you don't know what, you know, what's going to happen along the way. And then also just going into there, like uh, the numbers are kind of, you know, through the roof right now in Poland. Um, So I'm just sort of surprised that they didn't pull the plug given that, I guess it's just the two competing, um, competing ideas of like, of this sort of safety and, and, you know, having to be socially responsible and stuff. And, like, well, you know, we brought all these people here and we said we were going to do this thing and we need to have an event. Um, so th- those are the two competing priorities, I guess. But I, I would go, you know, on the side of safety before the side of, of event. If this were a bigger event, like, you know, we can be honest here. You know, we're hype, we're hype, we're hype men for, for distance running, <laughs> but we can also yeah. sort of like be honest about this this stature and state of the sport globally yeah if this were if this were uh soccer or if it were american football or if it were basketball um there is no fucking way this event goes on in poland last weekend it's i think distance running almost got like 
lucky is not the right word because I don't think yeah. we should use that term in this context, but it flew under the radar a little bit. It avoided some of the scrutiny of the mainstream media because it's like, quite frankly, just not that big a deal. And in the, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, yeah. and they did they did cancel the 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 mass race, so fine. They I had guess. to and they the tested everybody. Pardon? They had to cancel the mass race. Yeah, they had, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It's mean, supposed to be twenty seven thousand yeah. people running this event behind the elite the elite squad. I mean. That's a that's what probably the biggest half marathon in the world or close to it. Like it's up there. Yeah. Was I have a question actually that I you know, didn't uh, look up beforehand? If like the original plan was it this five k loop or did they have a different course? No, it was a different course. It was a different course. Okay. They changed okay. the course in order ostensibly uh, they changed the course for safety reasons, safety pro in order to create more control. Okay. I think with yeah. The issue with potential of like gawkers or crowds and also um, just to like limit, limit the, the kind of reach of this event on, mm -hmm. on the city where it was being hosted. Yeah. So interesting stat I just pulled up here. So the event was October 17th. So I, September yeah. 17th, there were 11,593 active cases in Poland. Um, on October 7th, or let's just go today, October 19th, 85,620 active cases. So wow. when you look at the you look <laughs> at the chart in Poland, it's just like a, a straight line up. It's, I mean, it, this is just, it's the, today, the, the country of Poland uh, announced a national emergency because of the pandemic swell. Uh, I, I saw on the news earlier today that that Poland is considering uh, turning a national soccer stadium into a like a, a hospital facility. I mean, they they have a huge, huge issue on their hand all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere in the last, certainly in the last uh, thirty days, but even in the last two or three weeks. So, you know, basically, I think if this event, if this half marathon championships were to be happening this coming weekend. It would yeah, have gotten would shut down, right? So right. No. I guess that's my reason for saying that World Athletics was a winner and that they kind of were able to sneak it through, but ultimately kind of a loser yeah. as well for like mm -hmm. for forcing it through. Um, so that leads actually, again, nice segue to my, my first big loser, which was the country of Poland. Uh, and the reason I say that is not because of, I mean, you know, none of this is Poland's fault, I guess, beyond the, the politics and management of their public health crisis. I mean, that's a different thing altogether, and I, I'm not qualified to talk about that. But uh, the country of Poland, from an athletic standpoint, is kind of lost in all of this because, by all accounts, just from watching the event, A, the event seemed like it was really well organized, so the local organizing committee seemed like they did a good job, especially given all of the mm -hmm. like uh, curveballs they were thrown uh, leading up to this event. They didn't get to have their 27,000 person public event, which is a real shame. I mean, everyone understands why, but it's kind of too bad because it looks like the city was kind of a cool city. Uh, it's like a, it was a, it's a seaport city, look kind of beautiful, kind of neat uh, place to go. Uh, would have been great for their tourism, great for uh, putting the focus on, you know, Polish athletics and the Polish athletics community, uh, whatever that's all about. And uh, you know, we don't, we didn't get as much hype around this event as we probably would have normally. And, um, you know, the broadcast was good. So like they, they had everything in place and it showcased, uh, this, the city really nicely. And it was a cool event. Like it was a really fun event to watch. Like everything about it, sort of every box was checked. It didn't, wasn't some shitty course and some like, you know, third rate city. And it, it was kind of like a neat looking event. And I think, you know, unfortunately, Poland got like shortchanged on this. And not to mention the fact that this really highlighted for any of us who were following this event as runners, really highlighted the problems going on in Poland right now with COVID. So um, mm. yeah, Poland, Poland got screwed in all this. Yeah. And I think, so like I actually got to be live at the last two world half marathon championships in Valencia and in Cardiff. And, um, they are fun. <laughs> it yeah. is good. Uh, it's good for the city. Like the, you know, everybody in the, in both of those cities were like 
cool. And they both came up with um, really cool settings. So the one in Cardiff was kind of like based out of this castle. Uh, so when we were like, all the teams were kind of getting ready, like we're in this castle essentially. Um, and that's where we kind of prepared for things. And, uh, and then I actually didn't get to see much of the race cause you know, you're kind of out on the course and you're just kind of looking for the people that you're, you're with. So, um, but the finish line, um, at, in Valencia was also a thing that was like, it was in a kind of, uh, public square where they had this sort of big water, space and and they made the finish line blue so it looked like people were coming in and like running along the water like running on the water so they did this whole cool thing and i think that that yeah poland kind of had that going on too with the, the not quite the same but with the beach like you could see there was kind of like a cool thing there so it seems like they're trying you know with the this sort of world half property if you will to kind of you know to, to to make it like a cool looking thing and and so you know i think yeah like you said poland did their did their job but they kind of got screwed over by circumstances yeah <laughs> yeah say. i the, it's funny you mentioned valencia like the one thing that really stood out for me in, in memory from from that event was that finishing area which is like i think like a calatrava who's a, a i think a valencian architect or like a really like one of the kind of yeah, like stark one of the global cool. star architects right like it was just sure. whole, it's this whole area like the yeah. arts and sciences yes Val- valencia right. is is like a very beautiful city like their public spaces are really creative and, and cool with lots of different kind of architecture and stuff like that so yeah yeah so it's like it's this great opportunity for the city to kind of showcase itself to a certain degree and especially with a big public race Mm -hmm. it further furthers that and gets nerds like you and i thinking about going to the next world championships just to run the public race i mean in your case you go from a (laughs) i don't uh, know if i'm thinking that (laughs) no you're going from a like uh, you're you're part of the sportocracy so you're going as a a coach or a team manager or whatever but um let's see i yeah i would i would always put my name in for for uh for those events because yeah because it's 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 good it's a good opportunity for sure now you um, yeah, you obviously weren't involved in this, uh, half marathon championships team that didn't end up going right. Like you weren't no. for Canada. Right. Okay. No, I was not. No. Yeah. So you didn't have to like be put in that awkward situation of like wondering why the hell you were going until Tuesday when it got pulled from <laughs> underneath your feet. Um, no, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that Canada made the right choice. Canada, us, Australia, Japan, there were a, a bunch of countries and actually, the sneaky thing about this is I looked at the start list that I don't think world athletics really publicized, but you look at the official start list that they obviously had to release just before the race. There's quite a few countries missing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I believe ba- like countries like Bahrain didn't show up. I don't think either. So there was, there were quite a few countries that quietly said like, we're not, we're not showing up for this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. y- your, my sorry my no i just did poland what's your second loser uh of of this event um so i'm gonna go with the bulky shoes um so i have a theory on the shoes the bulky the shoes so you mean like the brands, the new the bulky shoes the new carbon the, yeah plated shoe. all all the different you know the the whatever we call the next gen shoes i think that they're made for so this is kind of in contrast to my racing one because i think that they are they are made for the marathon mm-hmm. uh, and they allow you to go fast kind of in that particular range. Um, but when you're going as fast as you are in a half marathon, well, you, not you or I, but as uh, the world's best are going uh, in those, that distance, it's a little too fast. And that's why I think we saw some of the awkwardness and falling. That's my thing theory is that the, the stack height is actually, and, and this was also my kind of criticism of people who are like, Oh my God, you can't let these shoes happen because, well, you know, what's the next thing like pogo sticks or whatever. <laughs> like, well, no, there's a, there's a, there's a, a biomechanical limit to how much you can stack your shoe without before you fall over. And I think that that limit might be somewhere in this, like that speed of, like, you know, world-class half marathon with turns. Cause you can, they, you notice they're also banned 
uh, on the track, you can't wear them on the track. And I think part of that is um, they're not that good on the track. I mean, hmm. maybe they are. Like I know some people have worn them, but the people that I know that wore them on the track, um, uh, we had like a local race here in Quebec, like kind of just at the line of like when they banned them, but I think it was okay. Um, but those guys ran like 29 minutes. So they're running kind of as fast as as the, the guy, the fastest men in the half marathon, but for half the distance. And it's controlled, the track's a little more controlled. But I, so I kind of think that, you know, the, the limitations of these like so-called super shoes um, ha, were, were laid bare, but I think that's okay. And I think that it actually also stifles some of the criticism. Like it's a very specific piece of equipment for, I think, um, you know, long distance running on the road Yeah, and, and the mar- the half marathon might, might not work if it's too twisty. So, um, this plays into, and I'll, so I'll, I'll jump to my, my second loser in all this, which is, um, uh, Netsanet Gudeta, the Ethiopian, uh, the female Ethiopian, uh, contender in this race, who was the reigning half marathon world championship. She won in Valencia in 2018 and she came into this race in great shape by all accounts and ready to contend and was in that, that lead group with all the, with, with all the big contenders, the heavy hitters in the women's race and looked like she was running really well. And she's an Adidas athlete. She was in the new Adidas shoe, the, the new high stack height carbon plate shoe. And she like, just totally, she like totally wiped out. Like she was just, yeah. she took, there was, there's a series of turns. There's a lot of turns in this race, a lot of hard turns. And this wasn't even the hardest of them. This was just sort of this sweeping turn that came off a downhill. So you're probably running the fastest you would be. Uh, during that race down this downhill. And then there's a, it was like kind of a, I'm going to say probably about a, it wasn't a 90 angle, tur- 90 degree angle turn, but it was a pretty hard no. turn. And she just like, it's like she slid off the tarmac. And I wondered if it's either the stack height was the issue uh, or, or the actual traction on the shoe, because with these racing flats, they go pretty minimal on the rubber on the, on the outsole of the shoe. So there's less, mm-hmm. less grip but she just like disappeared out of the race and then had to fight her way into, I believe she finished eighth in the end, uh, which is a really, you know, really disappointing thing for her. And uh, looks to me like, you know, she's never going to say this was Adidas's fault. The shoes failed me. Like she's just, you just don't get that from athletes. They know, you know, like they know uh, who's buttering their bread, right? They're just not going to criticize the brand. But to me, it looks like it was Adidas's fault. Like it was just the shoe took her out of the race. And you saw that with a lot of these athletes, right? Like you saw the turns were kind of scary. Like, like these athletes yeah. are kind of all like sort of struggling and breaking and going on the outside and just a little bit more of a squirrely experience to watch than I can remember in the past. So with, with these courses that have pretty hard turns. So obviously a tougher a tougher thing to negotiate um, than uh, say your old school minimal slipper like racing flat. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the, the, the Ethiopian who ended up third, Yahalo, uh, Yahaloa, Yahalo, how do you say her name? Yelwala. 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 She had a speed wobble too. Like right yeah. at the end, right? Like coming in the final straightaway there, she kind of was like, Bleh. and that might've cost her second place. Like it's, it's kind of like you have to, I don't know we have to make a call maybe on these or, or maybe they're going to just, you know, they'll, they'll revise the tech and the next version will be like, you know, a millimeter less and everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm sure that it's all on the knife edge. And these are things that, that the, the companies are going to get back into and look at and yeah. determine what was going on. I don't wonder if you were going to see like, uh, as the, as you see this technology proliferating further, I mean, Nike's already doing this. They've already got like their, their entire lineup kind of scales up towards the, the vapor fly and the alpha fly shoe, which is, I think is like a 40 mil stack height. So like pretty, mm-hmm. pretty high. They're also incorporating some of the similar, uh, design aesthetics and like actual engineering of the shoes in their training flats and that tra- training shoes and that sort of thing. I wonder if you'll see like a variation on, 
on their shoes and on the Adidas shoe that's like maybe mm. just like a touch lower profile, like 30, 36 or 35 mm-hmm. millimeters. So they take a little bit of the edge off. So they're a little easier to corner on. They're less platformy. Because I know that's like the big criticism with the Alpha Fly shoe is that some of the athletes apparently don't like the shoe because they feel like it's really, you've got to like strike firmly down in the middle of the shoe or it gets kind of wobbly and that taking turns is really hard. So yeah, I think that's a good pick that the bulky shoes sort of, this is the first time in a couple of years of these shoes being out in the wild that you, you, you can actually kind of levy a little, you can levy some pretty, pretty harsh criticism towards how they performed in certain moments. Uh, But ultimately, ultimately they produced a 58 minute and a, a 105 half marathon performances at a world championships, right? Like that's the ball yeah, issues all deliver. For sure. Right? It's still, it's still fast, but I think, and, and I, you know, Alex, I think mentioned this, like that now that the other companies have come out with their own shoes, like I think the criticisms of unfairness are also sort of, you know, uh, fading away. Everybody's got their opportunity and everyone's going fast now. So all it is, is making it more fun. Like, you know, like a, now everybody's got the Al McInnes slap shot of 105 miles per hour or whatever. Whoa. Digging into the, uh, the, the, the grab bag of like eighties <laughs> NHL hockey references. Um, only a very few people can probably understand that one now. Um, okay. So, <laughs> I've thrown Alan out McGinnison, Roy, Roy Fitzpatrick, Roy Fitzpatrick, your <laughs> from a previous pod, your invented Irish Catholic bartender slash distance yeah. racer. Yeah. So I've got uh Gudeta as a loser, Poland as a loser. You've got safety in the bulky shoes. What's your last one? Um, so my last one is, uh, I sort of entitled it sport bureaucracy. So kind of the flip side of your world athletics. Um, But what I was kind of thinking about specifically was, like I said, when I went to the last two, um, there's a lot of kind of pomp and circumstance around it. And so I guess I can't say for sure I wasn't there, but I would assume that there were not a lot of, you know, fancy cocktails and award gala dinners and this sort of thing. Um, I should have checked in with our, our friend, Alan Brooks. Like he, he was usually there because they invite all the gold label race directors there and stuff. Right. So the, 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 sort of like the, the, um, the accessories, you know, to the, to the big race, um, probably not, not as uh, front and center. Um, so, you know, sort of too bad for the, the sport bureaucracy, but I also kind of think like, I mean, some of that stuff, you, you know, you look around the table with the athletes and everything and like, they're not really digging it. Like they're not really keen to sit and have a rubber chicken dinner and listen to, you know, random old European guy talk about the glory days. Um, so <laughs> maybe it's okay if those things get, get dropped. Um, like the road race director stuff, like with Alan and that, I think that's good. Like it's, it's actually really cool for someone like Alan uh, to, you know, go in and talk to his peers, essentially like around the world. That's, that's kind of a good thing. And, and there's, I think there's cool and useful conversations that come out of that, but just some of the stuff where it's just sort of like, okay, like we just want to get back to our hotel and go to sleep. Cause we have a 4am flight. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. you know, I'm the last person to uh, condone the <clears throat> pomp and circumstance and bullshit around some of this stuff and the sort of like self-importance and self-aggrandizing behavior, uh, particularly in, uh, particularly when you're dealing with world athletics because they love to celebrate themselves and spend a lot of money on themselves. But I actually think that in this context, you're right that they're like, uh, sport bureaucracy as a concept with distance running is, is a big loser in all of this in this moment, because we're in a state of crisis. And I think that that state of crisis is amplifying organizations and realms that are already starting to suffer and already had some pre-existing problems before COVID. So I think that distance running as an example was mm-hmm. already on the decline. The numbers have already been on the decline in the last say generously, let's say five years they've been on the decline and quietly it's becoming a bit of a crisis pre COVID. And now it's a full on massive global 
crisis in and of itself within the athletics world. So an opportunity for a group of top-level race directors and thinkers in the sport and stakeholders in the sport to get together in a room and have conversations and try to be creative and try to kind of band together to come up with some ideas uh, and to yeah. allow to allow that desperation to kind of light a fire under them as well uh, to make some decisions that maybe last year, the year before, they, they couldn't bring themselves to make. Uh, it's too bad that that they weren't given that opportunity, but I imagine there's probably going to be a slew of zoom calls and that sort of thing. And there probably already has been, um, certainly nationally. I know that race directors and organizations are talking to each other, but sure. it feels like this was like, it's too bad that smart people who run gold label races and that sort of thing can't get together and say like, now we realize things really have to change because it's, it's either we, it's either we change and innovate and evolve, or we're going to lose a whole lot of races. Um, so mm -hmm. it's too bad. I think that that opportunity wasn't there in Poland, but I mean, you got a safety first, right? So, yeah. Uh, uh, my last, uh, big loser of the world athletics half marathon championships is when I say loser here, this is like the, it's like, this guy's like the biggest winner of 2020. Uh, and, but you know, Leave Joshua alone. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and like, and he's like a, a, a an emerging favorite of mine as a, as an athlete, but Joshua chapter guy, the Ugandan breakup star breakout star who had probably one of the most tremendous years of anybody in like sports history. Cause he set a whole slew of world records and was unbeatable for a while. He finished mm -hmm. fourth. It was his first half marathon. He did. The reason why I say loser is because he came into the race is this like kind of weird favorite, right? Uh, he had set the yeah. world record in the 10K, 10,000 meters, 10 days earlier, which probably contributed to him not being able to compete at the front, front, front of the pack. Uh, but wouldn't it have been exciting if this guy somehow pulled it off and uh, won the the world half championships to cap off this crazy 12-month run? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would have been <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But he didn't. I, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. I'm just. I want to see something. I'm just looking something up. You're just so, looking I'm something. Thinking, up. I'm just looking something. So what? What if like, Kenanisa Bekele never ran a half marathon? At least not on his. He's run a. He's run a, run a half marathon. He's run like 101. It's or not on his profile like page. Oh, I'm sure he's. No. I'm sure he's. His person, agents have requested that. Here. He's run 101 for a half marathon. Oh I, yeah. No, he's run. He's run one. One hour oh nine in 2013, he ran. Okay, so he did. But that's no, oh, but it's but it wasn't legal. It's like a, I don't know, it's South Shields, Great Britain. Oh, it's because it's the Great North Run, I think, which is a downhill. Um, that's right. That really cool race with. Um, yeah. That was a good. That was like that that uh, throwdown between Ofera and, and Gebre yeah. Selassie. Yeah. But but I'm just trying to figure like so you know he ran his world record in 2005. He didn't run, you know, any of this road stuff until like, you know, seven, eight years later. Um, although he had run it, well, it's 2001. I'm just, it's, it's interesting. Like there's, it, it's a, it's a jump. The 10,000 meter on the track to the half marathon is, it's a leap. Uh, and maybe, I mean, maybe the expectations were, were a little out of line. Like the guy ran 59 minutes. I know. You know? I know. That's <laughs> It's hard um, to say someone although, was a loser. Although for, yeah. he did get beat by a 19 year old who'd also never run one before. Yeah. So what can Kip Limo run a 10,000 on the track now, please? Can we have that with yeah. lights? Can well, we see that? I want to see that. Like that's kind of where it gets interesting. So yeah, I guess he's a loser, but it's just intrigue, you know? Yeah. In the best possible way. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, definite asterisk next to next to his name is being a loser and all this. Cause he finished fourth, ran a 59 minute debut half yeah, marathon yeah. and is still like easily the best, certainly track runner in the world. And, you know, there's an argument that right now until, uh, Elliot Kipchoge runs a stellar marathon again, that right now, Joshua Cheptegei is kind of the, mm. the great, the, the, the best, distance runner uh mm. of the moment at least uh, but that can obviously change yeah. at the next series of races in the yeah. springtime 
All right. So like Kiplimo, Kiplimo ran, sorry, I'm just still on this because it's just, <laughs> you don't see. Kiplimo ran a 1248, 5,000. So not as fast as like Mo Ahmed. Um, and that was in September of this year. 1248 right? is his, a super world class time for 5,000 meters and puts <laughs> but, you in a gold medal race for sure. Yeah, I know. But Mohammed ran faster. The Canadian record's faster than that, right? 1247, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's going to, listen, the Olympics, <laughs> the Olympics, the Olympics next year, you know, if they happen, yeah, the Olympics awesome. are going to be pretty, pretty friggin' hot. They're going to be, mm-hmm. and the five and the 10,000 meters are going to be really intriguing races. Uh, and it's not just going to be, it's not going to be the Mo Farah show. It's just not. Um, he'll, he'll inject an interesting uh, component to it and he'll attract that yeah. like UK, European fanboy audience. But the truth of the matter is, is there's going to be a slew of other athletes that are going to give him a really hard yeah. time and probably drop and they him will. too. They, they will like, I, this is one thing that's just, I mean, we're kind of way off topic now, but th- that always bugged me with Mo Farah is like, nobody went after him. Like nobody tried anything. I like know, they just like, kind of like let him do his thing. It was like, hypnosis. I swear. It was like yeah. all these, like there was all these but, but top I, level Ethiopian athletes that could all run well faster yeah. than him, uh, in and a time just, trial. And they all gave him the race. There. Yeah. 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 Like I, and I think what we said before about, about the Ugandan, kids they're kids uh you know they just they just have the joy they just have the love like they're gonna just they'll get out there and and you know shit kick basically yeah and i'm excited for it be fun (laughs) all right uh okay so that's our winners and losers for the world half marathon championships john will do we got one more we've got one more uh and that's going to be the marathon what's it called the marathon project i believe it's this uh, project it's this event in Arizona being put on, I believe, by the NAS Elite folks. Uh, so it's going to, I mean, the field was already, the, the at least initial fields were announced a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty great. It's kind of like the informal Canadian Marathon Olympic Trials 2.0 for next year. Uh, lots of Canadian yeah. athletes in there. So we'll talk about that and a ton of American athletes. It's, I think, um, going to produce a lot of interesting storylines great uh, great content opportunities for us so we'll do a winners and losers on that and we'll do a whole bunch of other stuff too so great make, make sure to check out our website the xcorg and follow us on the usual social channels at the xcorg and uh please if you don't already subscribe to our uh newsletter and our podcasts you can find them at all the usual haunts for your uh podcasting listening including apple Podcasts. So org exactly yeah. it's the rhymes how easy is that thanks so much for joining me john great all right all right until next time